Hello and welcome to Vegas Odds Football. I am your host, Daniel Ocho. In this episode, I was joined by NFL Mike to preview the AFC West, what I think has potential to be the best division of all time. We discussed the AFC West, the Raiders, the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Chargers, uh, which teams myself and NFL Mike think have a shot at making the Super Bowl this year, whether they go over or under their projected win total and much more. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hello, I am here with NFL Mike. Thanks so much, Mike, for coming back on the show. Uh, I, I enjoyed our conversation so much last time. I had to have you back on to talk AFC West. Of course, I really enjoyed it as well. I mean, the USFL has a little small spot in my heart, so I enjoyed talking about it. But the AFC West has the rest of my heart. <laughs> so, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. You are a Chargers fan. I am a Chargers fan. How are there Chargers fans? That, that's my number one question. But how are you feeling going into this year as a Chargers fan? Well, I became a Chargers fan thanks to LaDainian Thompson. I feel like a lot of people my age became Chargers fans thanks to LaDainian Thompson. Everyone that makes fun of the Chargers fan base <laughs> forget that there was a little era there where a bunch of fans were born, and that's kind of how the small percentage of Chargers fans that there are were created. But I'm pretty pumped for this season, man. They made so many moves in the offseason. They're going to be a really good team next year, and they actually might have the most talent on this roster that this team has ever had. I'm pumped. I got them winning the division, but of course, I'm a little biased. Everything I say on this podcast today. <laughs> yeah, well, we needed to contextualize your takes before we dive in. So let's jump in. Just my, my first big picture question for you, looking at the rosters in this division, does this AFC West have a chance to be the best division of all time? Sincerely does. It sincerely does. I have two teams going nine and eight in the division, but it's not because of weakness on those teams. It's because the division is so strong. I think every team in the division would win almost every other division in the NFL uh, or at least compete for it with the top teams in the NFL. So yeah, it, it is sincerely has a chance to be the best division of all time. I've seen some predictions from, from experts and analysts out there that have every team in the division winning 10 games, which I don't know if that's ever happened. I know we've never seen all four teams go to the playoffs in the same division. Now it's a possibility with the three wildcard spots, but 10 games, a piece. And I think that that's fair to say, like the worst team in this division is going to be nine and eight or 10 and seven. It's going to be insane. Do you actually see that happening? Do you think that we could see four AFC West teams in the playoffs next year? See, last year I was given this hot take that we were going to see four NFC West teams in the first seven seeded playoff bracket. I was wrong on my hot take and I realized why, because it's very unlikely that a team is going to stay perfectly healthy for an entire year, let alone four teams from the same division going against each other are going to stay healthy for the entire year. So I'm going to say three of them make it. I'm going to say three of them make it, lock it in. I don't know what the over-under is. It probably is two and a half or three. Go ahead and lock it in that three of them get in there. So before we we reveal who your three are, let's sort of break down some of these teams a little more organically. So uniquely, the AFC West is the only division on the DraftKings Sportsbook that has four teams that are 40 to one or better to win the Super Bowl. The books themselves view this as a division that is going to have teams that are competing for a championship. Even the Raiders, who I, I think ostensibly the public may view as the least favorite team to, to win the Super Bowl of this division, they still are above a lot of other fourth place teams in the NFL. 
So let's run through some of the the free agent moves this offseason. Obviously, we had Russell Wilson coming to Denver. We had uh, the Bears trading Khalil Mack to the Chargers. We had J.C. Jackson going to the Chargers. Randy Gregory to the Broncos. Uh, Las Vegas signing Chandler Jones. And the Raiders trading for Devontae Adams. And then the Chiefs, I guess you could contextualize this as a big move, but bringing in Juju Smith-Schuster. So what is in your mind, the most important signing this offseason in the AFC West? I mean, that Juju move got a lot more important when they lost Tyreek Hill a couple weeks later. But uh, yeah, that, that's something that probably wouldn't even be noted with the other guys that you just listed until it's like, oh wait, but they lost Tyreek Hill, so now Juju's the one receiver there. Uh, I think that the single biggest move made in the AFC West this offseason was Russell Wilson going to the Broncos. Um, I'm biased. I'll go ahead and, and hype up my Chargers moves as much as, much as I can. But the Chargers were already a team with a lot of talent. They won nine games last year. So going up from here is 10 games or more. And they're a team that necessarily didn't need to bring in like a franchise-changing caliber player like Russell Wilson is. So I think that with Russell Wilson going to Denver, now that set it up to where we could have this four-team gauntlet. Because if Denver still had Drew Locke, even with the roster that they have and the talent they have on the roster, I think they got a lot of good young talent on the roster. Um, with Drew Locke, they probably would have been the bottom of the barrel again now. They got Russell Wilson, which changes things. It changes things when the weakest team has Russell Wilson at quarterback. Are you buying into this Broncos team reformed with Russell Wilson? Because I'll tell you, listen, I've said this a few times on the show. I watched a lot of Russell Wilson last year and the second half of the year before, and I'm not buying it. I think the Broncos made that move to sweeten the pot on selling the franchise. I don't think that they are a real contender. I think that Russell Wilson at this stage of his career is a short king who can't throw over the middle of the field and is tricking people into thinking that he's still a superstar quarterback. So what what do you make of that? You're going a little too far. I mean, he's not prime <laughs> Russ, but he still looks uh, even in, in games where he's playing hurt last year. Uh, but yeah, I'm not buying into them being like hardcore Super Bowl contenders this year. This team can make the wild card. I won't, be a, I won't even be shocked if they're competing for the division at the end of the year. Uh, but the reasoning that I have is not necessarily Russ. I'm not worried about Russ. I kind of know what we're getting with him. We're going to get a really good game-managing, deep ball thrower, a guy that's good with the play action. I mean, just all around a really complete quarterback in Russell Wilson. It's the rest of the talent around him. Not that I'm doubting the talent around him, but I am doubting whether they need one more year or not. When you go and you look at the Raiders, they got Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. Like All these guys are established stars in the league already. You go and look at the Chargers, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are putting up multiple seasons now where both of them have 1,000 yards with two different quarterbacks. They did it with Phil once, and now they've done it with Herbert once. They're established stars. Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield. You go and look at Kansas City, they have Travis Kelsey, they have Patrick Mahomes, Juju Smith-Schuster, kind of. He's been up and down in his career, but more due to injuries than anything. So, like, all the other teams in the division have established guys. And, like, the number one guy is looking like Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton in Denver. And those are good players. But they aren't at the level of Devontae Adams or a receiving core with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. And I look across Denver's roster, and other than Garrett Bowles, that's the way I feel about almost every other spot on the roster. Good player. I believe in his talent, but we haven't established it yet. The Chargers have J.C. Jackson. Yeah, I believe in Pastor Tain. I think he's going to be a great player one day. But I don't think today's that day. I think they're one year away, bringing some more veteran leadership in next offseason when you, when you can get a year removed from trading for one of the most expensive quarterbacks in the league and go ahead and go at it in the next couple of years because they do have a lot of young talent. It's just not quite proven yet. I'm expecting some some hot and cold streaks from the Broncos this year. I think I have like two different runs like of losing streaks of three games in a row when I looked at the schedule. The thing about the Broncos to me is that I actually like their surrounding talent. 
Um, but I think there's going to be a real challenge of coaching scheme and allowing what Nathaniel Hackett wants to do on offense to mold with what Russell Wilson likes to do. Hackett, wherever he goes, likes to do this check down, get the ball to the running back. Leonard Fournette was at his best as a receiver under those Hackett teams. And I think that that's something he really emphasizes in moving the sticks and, and checking down. And Russell Wilson refuses to do that. He's a guy who wants to extend every single play. It's it's against his very person to not try to extend the play and go for the deep shot. So I think that at least in this first year, there's going to be a real challenge there. Listen, they, they may put it together in year two, but I watched Aaron Rodgers, who to me is at this point, the best quarterback in the NFL, he's coming off two MVPs, but his first year in a similar system that really emphasizes getting the ball out in short yardage, he really struggled that first year with Matt LaFleur. He went on to win two straight MVPs. So it's possible that Russ could I don't know if he's going to follow a similar trajectory, but he may become more comfortable. But I'm looking at their over under 10 win total right now. That's what DraftKings has in that. And I don't see a world in which they're hitting that over. I think that they may reach 10 games, but I don't see them winning 11 games. Do you? I have them winning nine games. To me, like they could be anywhere from seven, eight wins again to, you know, 10, 11 wins like around there. I'm with you. I think that 11 is a a max for me as well. When you talk about the weapons also, I want to just give a little shout out. They got Tim Patrick, they got Cortland Sutton, and they got Jerry Judy. But I think, maybe I'm crazy for thinking this, and if you play fantasy football, uh, maybe look into it, I think K.J. Hamler is going to emerge. I think he's going to be like his Tyler Lockett guy. Whoever wants to play the number one receiver can play the number one receiver, but I think that K.J. Hamler will be the number two receiver by 2023. So I'm actually extremely high on Sutton this year. I think that this is the best quarterback Sutton's played with. I think he's coming off a major injury last year and really actually played extremely well down the stretch, uh, despite having an absolutely gross quarterback situation. So now he has the best quarterback of his career. He's another year more developed as a receiver, another year removed from that major injury. I would not be surprised at all to see him step into the role of the second best receiver in this division this year behind Devontae Adams. And listen, that pains me to say, I am a a, a Keenan Allen apologist to the max. So to say that he may be surplanted at this point is almost sacrilege to me. I just feel like Keenan's lost a step. Uh, He was slow last year, man. And Mike Williams can't stay on the field. He's been slow his whole life. <laughs> Keenan Allen has never had burners. <laughs> I, I watched a lot of him the last two years. The first Herbert year, he was spectacular. He was so reliable. And last year was the first year, and part of it was what they wanted him to do within that offense, where I saw him basically catch the ball and fall down every single time. And I think this is a, sort of a stage that a lot of these really good receivers, shifty receivers reach, where even though they have the moves uh, pre-touching the ball, uh, when they just start falling down and don't really have any chance of getting yards after catch, that's when I start to see the wheels coming off, at least in terms of being an elite guy. Oh, no, I mean, Keenan Allen's always been like a like an edge of top 10. Like He's never really reached up into like, that top 10 realm. He's always been like a 12 to 15 ranked receiver in the league, which is phenomenal. Um, and I, I also agree that he's going to slow down a little bit. He's going to be 30 in two years. I think he'll be 29 playing next year and then 30 going into the year after. His contract's also expiring the year after. So like, I do think that things are going to slow down for Keenan, and that's why Mike needs to stay healthy. For sure. Also, we have a secret weapon. <laughs> we got uh, Josh Palmer. He's a little sneaky. People don't really think about him. Let's dive into the Chargers a little more. So we we know what the Chargers have. They have Justin Herbert. In my mind, the second most exciting young quarterback in the league. I think. Let me guess. Who? What's your guess? I was going to say Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen and Mahomes sort of switch off. um, But I always have Justin Herbert as, as my number two. Because to me, 
Allen and Mahomes really have like lower points, but Herbert is sort of steady as they come. The one issue that sort of comes to mind with Herbert, because I followed him since that first game when, when he came in unexpectedly and was like, oh my God, this guy's got a hose. Why was he not as hyped up as I, as I thought he would be? And watching him that full season, every game I was just constantly, my jaw was on the floor. My concern with him, especially last year was, I heard this quote once. It was a, a scout talking about quarterbacks. And they said, I want my quarterback to either believe in God or believe he is a God. And I look at Herbert and I worry that maybe there's something missing there in terms of he's really smart, really analytical, but I don't see him as this sort of rah-rah leader of men, almost like the meme version of that that is Russell Wilson. So do you believe that he right now at this stage of his career, this stage of maturity could lead this Chargers team to a Super Bowl? I do. I do believe it because I played on a bunch of football teams in my life as well. And it just seems like you always have these different roles on the team. You have the guy that's loud, is going to lead by his words, also his actions, but going to lead by his words. But there's always that silent guy on the team. And he's usually the team's best player. And, and usually that's the guy that everyone just looks at and follows. And for me, we had a big left tackle. He got a full ride from high school to go to Montana State, which is a pretty big school because my high school is really small. And he was our best player my whole entire career playing football. And he never really had to say anything to us. We just followed his lead because this guy is our best player. We're going to follow him. So I do think that his leadership style isn't what – everyone wants to see out of a quarterback it's not Joe Burrow he's not going to go chew someone out on the sideline but I think that going out there and kind of just leading the offense by action can sometimes be just as impactful as chewing a guy out on the sideline the only thing that concerns me about leadership on the Chargers more than anything is the coaching staff we have some larger than the coaches players on the roster now and multiple of them that is the biggest concern for me is that they kind of lose control and grip of their own leadership because Brandon Staley, in year two, after a rough first year, in my opinion, with decision-making, now has to make the right decisions for Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson also, on top of Joey Bosa, Derwin James, Keenan Allen, and Justin Herbert. So when you make wrong decisions then, that can cause problems to me from the players being like, uh, I came from Bill Belichick, and we would never make that mistake there. In what world do the Chargers go under their projected 10 win total? What has to happen for them to go under? What has to happen for them to go over? I can't say out loud what has to happen for them to go under. You know <laughs> what it is. I won't say it out loud. No injuries, not non-injuries. What what has to go wrong from a coaching perspective or a schematic perspective for that to happen? Who, who doesn't have to emerge? If there's no injuries, there's nothing. <laughs> we have tough games because we play in the AFC West. We have like six or seven games that I counted against like teams like the Jaguars, Texans, and like these games that should be gimmies next year, more so than last year. They were already gimmies last year. We dropped a few. To me, I, I don't trust their offensive coordinator. That, that's what I think is the biggest hurdle for me because I don't think he was really particularly good in his last stop. And last year, I, I was so ready to buy into this Chargers hype. I'm, I'm, I'm a Herbert acolyte. I want to believe in this guy. And watching that Chargers offense last year, it was extremely frustrating at times. Just the way they sort of emphasize getting to third and short. They needed these high leverage third down plays from Keenan Allen and Herbert to, to sustain drives. And while that worked certainly well early in the season, as the season progressed, they weren't converting some of these high leverage situations. And my question was why they were just putting themselves there every single time. Like, I understand maybe it's analytics forward, but it was extremely frustrating to watch. So for me, the only world in which they don't go over injury free is where this coaching staff reveals itself to not be up to the task of maximizing that talented roster. I disagree. I think they did good on offense last year. Herbert had 53, 5,400 yards, 45 touchdowns. Um, we had 2,000-yard receivers, and Austin Eckler, I think, had 700 on, like, 14 games. He missed a couple games himself. Um, everyone was learning the offense, and even Herbert has been into microphones saying, like, this offense was hard to learn. It's the offense they ran 
underneath Sean Payton when Drew Brees was there for all those years. That offense, Joe Lombardi now, our offensive coordinator, has either been the QB coach or the offensive coordinator in like eight or nine of the 13 total 5,000-yard seasons by a quarterback in NFL's history. So Joe Lombardi definitely has experience with putting together an offense that is going to go out and put up points. We scored uh, 40 points in, I think, six games last year. He's going to go out there and put up points, put up yards, put up everything. But the clutch moments has always been a problem for the Chargers. The clutch moments was always a problem for the Saints. So I can see a little bit of doubt there. But I think as a totality, a lot of last year's inconsistency on the offense, we have one game where, you know, against the Steelers, we put up uh, 45 points and 30 in the second half. And then the next week struggle against the Vikings defense. Um, I think a lot of it is just the players and everyone trying to, to get with the flow of the offense because we want to be in those third and two situations versus like third and 10. But we also want to maximize what Herbert can do. And there were so many games last year where the team came out in the third quarter and the whole offense looked completely different. Like they just flipped the switch and now Herbert's unleashed. No leashes for number 10. He's going to be an MVP if you take him off the leash at the beginning of every game. Yeah, I'm with you. Like I said before, I'm big on Herbert this year. I, I see this team hitting over their their 10 projected win total, and, and I'm high on the Chargers this year. So let's move on now to, in my mind, the Chargers' biggest competitors this year, the Kansas City Chiefs. So what did you make of the Chiefs' offseason, getting rid of Tyree Kill, um, bringing in Juju Smith-Schuster, investing heavily in draft capital uh, on the defensive side of the ball in the draft? What do you make of the Chiefs going into this year? For one, I, I got to talk to some Chiefs fans. If you guys are listening to the podcast right now, y'all had a terrible offseason compared to the other teams <laughs> in the division. And over on my TikTok page, I get so many comments from Chiefs fans trying to convince me that they somehow got better. Look, let's face the facts here. They lost Tyra Matthew. They lost Tyree Kill. And they lost Tardavius Ward. You lost your wide receiver one, the leader of your defense, and all pro level safety. And your cornerback won. The only thing that stayed was Travis Kelsey, who's turning 33 this year, and they're going to have to double his volume. I mean, this is where you start to kind of bring the volume down and you pick your spots. You know, this is exactly where we need Travis Kelsey to come through. So now we're going to go to him heavy, but, you know, kind of manage his, his snaps and manage his workload, especially if they have some talented tight ends behind him. They just never get playing time uh, in Noah Gray. And they have another kid, forgot his name, that they talk about a lot. Both those guys are very talented receiving tight ends. It's looking scary for the Chiefs next year. I think they're going to have an adjustment period. They had an amazing draft, phenomenal draft, one of the best drafts in the NFL. But I am not, and I never have, expected rookies to come in and play at the level of Tyreek Hill or rookies to come in and play at the level of Tredavious Ward or Tyron Matthew. So, Chiefs fans, I honestly am more scared of the Raiders' offense than the Chiefs' offense next year. I really am. I really am. It's going to be good. Oh, man, that is a Chargers fan take, I think, uh, because uh, listen, last year, I remember watching our games and I'm just thinking like every single person in the secondary is doing a role to slow Tyreek down. And it's like it shouldn't take five guys to slow one dude down, but it does take five guys to slow a guy like that down when he has Patrick Mahomes, at quarterback that can hit him 70 yards and stride down the field like that. So it's going to completely change them, man. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are going to put together an offense it's just how quickly is that gonna click here's my my strange take about this Chiefs offense I would not be surprised to see them actually be better offensively this year than they were last year because as much as I believe in Tyreek Hill as a talent he's a freakishly talented receiver he went from one of those guys who was a burner in my mind to one of the better route runners in the league he gets open in the intermediate level of the field incredibly well over the last three years or so he's really gotten great at that but 
to me, I think that the Chiefs have brought in enough guys to recreate some of that rolling over the top responsibility on the defense, just in terms of Sky Moore is a bit of a burner. He's a fast guy. They have a lot of bodies. Nicole Hardman, who I think is pretty terrible, but he is a guy who is fast down the field and you have to account for him theoretically. What I like about the Chiefs and what, what makes me high on their offense going into this year is they seem to have looked at how the NFL is playing these deep shell to high coverages and said, if teams are going to be taking away the over the top from us anyways, why don't we try to recreate 60% of what Tyreek Hill is giving us in that area and instead invest our resources in our defense and invest our resources in guys who can operate a little bit better in that middle area of the field. So Juju Smith-Schuster isn't a great receiver, but he changes your run game because he's one of the better blocking receivers in the league. And he's actually an incredibly efficient third down receiver, high leverage, middle of the field guy. So I think that team has an opportunity this year to really strengthen areas of weakness over the last two years and reshape that offense in a way that I think may be more sustainable than the explosive dynamite offense they've been operating with over the last few years. Well, my thing is, is not necessarily that Tyreek Hill is impossible to replace his speed. It's more about everything else he does. There's been speed demons in the league before. I mean, there's been guys that have even ran faster 40 times than Tyreek Hill in the NFL's history, and they just don't work out because you can stop a guy that can run straight really fast. You just can't stop the guy that can run an angle route, which is a short route, 30 yards down the field in five seconds. That's what you can't do. Yeah. So yeah. Whether Sky Moore can <laughs> perform those kind of things is, is still to be told. I'm obviously going to be a doubter because I'm a Chargers fan and I'm a hater. I'm thinking about Juju, right? When they first signed him, they still had Tyreek. And I'm like, okay, so this is a, this is a big, bad situation for us because they could stretch us with – Tyreek, but Juju and Kelsey are man burners underneath. Like they're so good in the underneath game and they're so good at yak. They're going to destroy us underneath because everyone's backing off to try and take Tyreek. You know, of course, Tyreek's gone. So now I'm just thinking, like, just put JC Jackson on Juju. All right, good luck. Have fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can see the argument for both. Um, I, I definitely agree that they lost ostensibly the, the best player on offense aside from a. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. And while I I definitely understand why people are doubting them, I just have to believe that this offense, the the shape that it may take, what I think it's going to lend itself more to the pre-Mahomes days of getting the ball out to the backs. Um, It's going to require him to change some of his own sensibilities about extending plays. And I think it may be a more efficient, different offense, not as explosive as we're used to. But I think it may be still good. I think it's still going to be a competitive team. And I like their defense. I think their defense is really going to keep them in games. With all that said, what I think is going to happen here, I think they're going to go under their projected 10.5 win total. Where do you stand on their projected 10.5 win total? I've got them getting the seven seed, I think, at 9 and 8. So I got them under as well. 9 and 8? Wow. Okay. Everyone's been saying that, but that's how I looked at the schedule and I'm like, they got a bunch of tough defenses and I don't have as much faith in their defense. I don't think that their pass rush got much better. They added George Karloftis, but again, people are trying to make a case for a rookie to come in and completely game wreck. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen very often. There's there's 10 guys from the draft last year. They're going to come in and game wreck in year one, and they're going to do it in spots. There's three guys that are going to do it for a whole season. You're only going to get one Micah Parsons out of each draft class. I don't think it's George Karloftis. Um, and then, again, I, I'm looking at the Trent McDuffie thing. He's got to come in and either back up LeJarrius Sneed, which isn't a good option for CB1. He's got to come in and guard the best wide receivers in the NFL. He's got to come in and guard Devonta Adams two times in his rookie year next year. That is going to be a mismatch from hell for the Chiefs defense they got to deal with. I like the Justin Reed acquisition. It's a good replacement. I don't think he's going to put up the career that Tyron did, 
But at this stage in Tyron's career and Justin's career, it's a good crossing to go ahead and, and move on to a new, uh, younger face. But, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't have as much faith in the defense. I don't have as much faith in the offense. I think that they're star power-wise, they don't have as much star power other than the quarterback. My The only thing that I think when I think about the Chiefs and I go, can they win 11 games? Yes, if Andy Reid and Mac- Patrick Mahomes absolutely carry the team on their backs and they go full Grim Reaper, whatever the hell you want to call them mode. My only opposition to that would really be that Andy Reid was leading this Chiefs team to 10 win seasons with Dwayne Bowe and, and Alex Smith, the quarterback. Like we, we've seen some some rough offenses. OK, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're just going to pretend like Jamal Charles wasn't also on that offense. Like this guy, one of the best running backs ever, wasn't also yeah, there. Listen, they had some other guys. <laughs> I'm just saying that I think they'll manufacture it. And even though I don't love them to win 11 games, I would I would go under on that. I think that more likely this is a team that struggles in the early season as it figures out its identity on offense. But by the time the playoffs roll around, nobody wants to face them. They're, they're one of the more dangerous, lower-seeded AFC wildcard teams, and it becomes a problem. It's been a crazy rivalry. Every time we get into a game with them, I'm excited for it because every game since Herbert, the first game, obviously, Herbert played against Mahomes yeah. has been a thriller. Incredible. Three and two. But well, we won one when they had Chad Henney, so it's really two and two. So now let's talk about the Las Vegas Raiders. Their projected win total this year is eight and a half, over over under eight and a half. They brought in Devontae Adams. They brought in Chandler Jones. They brought in Josh McDaniels, the franchise ruiner. How do you see this team shaping up this year? I hate them. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say that first of all. I hate them because I think they're going to be good. Um, this is another team that is a little bit more thin than a team like the Chargers or a team. I, the, the Broncos have a lot of young talents. So I'll say they're even a little bit more thin than them. But if healthy, I am scared of the Raiders. And we got to play them at full strength week one of the season. That's going to be a lot of fun at SoFi. Hopefully I'm going to be there. Uh, but I am scared of them because I think their offense is going to be superhuman this year. I think Carr has – two to five somewhere in their years where he's still gonna be playing at the same level he played last year and previous years where he's just a really really solid guy really solid consistent quarterback for them and now he just has weapons galore I mean when you look at Hunter Renfro is one of the best route runners in the NFL I watched some film on him when, I, when he started to break out a little bit last year I was like who is this guy I should really be concerned about him Yes, we should be really concerned about him because he is routing every DB that faces him up, the best ones in the league even. And then Devontae Adams is obviously known for his route running and his, his well-roundedness. There's some chemistry there with Carr from college already, and everyone just forgets that they got like a 1,400-yard receiving tight end coming out there too and attacking. They're going to throw the ball a lot. Uh, yeah. A lot. <laughs> what I would worry about them is their secondary. Their secondary is abysmal. I mean, they do not have – a corner on this team right now that would start in any other team in the NFL. They really don't. <laughs> their cornerback room is soft. They got some safeties, but their cornerback room is soft. So I'll be worried about the secondary. But they can counteract it a little bit if Chandler Jones and Max Crosby can stay healthy. I do think that Chandler Jones is a little bit of an upgrade for Nick Nagakwe. So their their pass rush is going to be a little bit better to maybe make up for a worse secondary. A lot of people forget last year their best corner was freaking – Old man Casey Hayward. And even he left. He's not even there no more. So good luck with that. And that's that's a tough situation for the Raiders. I think they go over eight wins. I think so too. If they went under, something something bad happened. And that's somewhere where you can doubt the coaching as well. But something bad happened if they go under. 
I'm with you. I think that the Raiders are a nine-win team at the very least. I'm, I'm pretty high on their offense. I think Adams is going to see between 150 and 175 targets this year. I think he's going to be a hog. Uh, I think between him and Renfro, we're talking about one of the best route running combos the league may have ever seen. This is a, a freakish combo in terms of that particular skill set. And when you add in Waller, he's a physical freak. He's just a matchup nightmare for every defense in the NFL. I think they're going to throw the ball a ton because that's what McDaniels likes to do despite his weird rushing offenses over the last several years. And I think that this is going to be one of the funner offenses to watch this year. I'm with you. I'm with you in a bad way. <laughs> so now, b- before we go, if you had to bet on one team in this division to win the Super Bowl, who is it going to be? I think I know the answer to this question. My Super Bowl pick this year is my Chargers. And you can call it as biased as you want. I know you're thinking it. <laughs> I've been alive on this earth for 25 years now, Daniel. I've only called a Chargers Super Bowl once, and that is this year. <laughs> I love your optimism. Uh, I don't share in your optimism, but I, I will absolutely 100% be hammering uh, Justin Herbert for MVP bets. I will be hammering the Chargers to win the AFC. I usually pick both a favorite and like a, a little bit of a longer shot. So I, I think the Bills are going to win the AFC, but my my second pick would be the Chargers. So if I was going to bet from anyone on this in this division, it would be the Chargers. Let's go. The the one thing that I, I wanted to ask before we go, we talked a little bit about uh, your projected records here. How do you see the final standings in this division shaking out? Okay, yeah, this is perfect. So I just finished like. I usually go record or division by division throughout this period of the offseason. I just finished the AFC West. I had the Chargers winning 13. I got the Raiders coming in second, winning 11. I got the Chiefs coming in third by tiebreaker, winning nine. And I got the Broncos by tiebreaker coming in fourth, winning nine. And I wouldn't be surprised if those are the standings, those are the records, and any of the four teams are in any of those slots. I love that because I, I just want the Broncos to finish last. I think the Broncos suck, and I think that they're all fugazi, and, and that's where I think they're going to finish as well. So that validates my, my own opinions about them, which I'm very happy about. This has been our AFC West preview. Thanks so much to NFL Mike for joining the show. Anything you want to plug today, Mike? Check me out at NFL Mike on TikTok and at NFL Mike on YouTube. Both spots are good spots to watch uh, most of the content I put up. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mike, uh, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye now.